Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is the Demon Inside Podcast. I'm your host, John Benham. If you would like to review another episode of the Demon Inside, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and any podcast platform. And please, don't forget to subscribe and rate us with five stars. A new episode will come out once a week. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. I had no feelings for anybody. If I come in contact with them, they had to die. Some of them, I'm satisfied, were not good cases. Uh, probably should not have been pursued. Uh, however, there were enough of them that, that we could see that we thought he was clearly a serial murderer. The extent of it has always been the question. Henry, let me ask you first, if you remember, how many murders have you confessed to? Over 3,000. Um, 3,000? Yeah. Over 3,000. You spent a lot of time confessing. Two and a half years. 3,000 murders. Seven days a week. I mean, they didn't, wasn't all accepted, now don't get me wrong, but that's how many confessions I gave. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to The Demon Inside. I'm your host, John Venom, and today we are going to be talking about The Demon Inside, Henry Lee Lucas. Henry was born to Viola and Anderson Lucas on August 23, 1936, in a one-room cabin in Blacksburg, Virginia. Life was hard from the beginning. His father and mother were divorced by the time Henry was born, but lack of jobs and money kept Anderson at the house. This created tension in the home, to say the least. Viola had eight other kids who at this time were given to foster families. Henry and his half-brother were the only two left. Viola had a strange hatred for Henry ever since he was born. To her, Henry was an inconvenience. Henry's father was an alcoholic and a moonshiner. He saw Viola's hatred for Henry and he would try to defend him best he could against Viola, but it wasn't much help. Viola, his mother, was a mean and sadistic woman. She would carry a shotgun with her. She would dip tobacco, and she was a moonshiner. As a young boy, Viola, with her hatred for Henry, would dress him like a girl with no shoes and send him to school. When teachers would try to help Henry by giving him shoes, for instance, because it was very cold out, 
When he returned home with the new shoes, he would be beaten for accepting them. Another teacher decided to cut Henry's hair and give him proper school clothes. Viola was pissed. She went to the school and raised hell. The other kids picked on Henry and eventually Henry started to seclude himself from classmates. The school eventually complained and obtained a court order for Viola to stop cross-dressing her son. So Anderson, Henry's dad, tried to make Henry feel better by giving Henry moonshine as a treat. Keep in mind, Henry was only seven years old at the time. So by the age of 10, Henry was a full-blown alcoholic. Viola, his mother, she was also a prostitute. With her hatred of Henry and her hatred of Anderson, her ex-husband, she would force them to sit next to the bed and watch her as she had sex with her clients. Henry's half-brother didn't treat Henry any better. He was playing with his, his half-brother when they got into a fight. His brother took out a knife that they had been playing with and slashed Henry's left eye. His mother ignored the seriousness of the damage to his eye. Now he was going to school with a milky white eye. The wound festered for several days and became infected. They finally took him to the doctor and he needed to remove his eye, which was replaced by a glass prosthetic. Henry's looks on the outside were starting to match his feelings on the inside. He was becoming scary, according to classmates. Then one day when Henry was eight, Viola was servicing a man on her bed and Henry had decided he had enough. He walked out and left the house. Viola got angry at him and ran after him. She picked up a board from the yard and hit Henry several times across the head. Henry was unconscious. The next morning, 12 hours later, he was still knocked out on the ground, so they brought him inside. Viola refused to take Henry to the hospital. He was unconscious for three days. Henry was actually in a coma. That beating stunted Henry's growth of learning. Henry, at this age between 7 and 10, with everything that is happening to him, is an ideal person for a demon to come into. He's being abused, he's being secluded, he's drinking alcohol, and he's still a child. Demons will take advantage of these times to feed off of the hatred and fear, and they would also manipulate. Maybe not to take control of him, but they would come into him as an observer or a watcher. So Aaron, a true demon insider, reminded me of watcher angels. And 
These angels I read up on one time in a book called Angels A to Z by James R. Lewis. The definition of a watcher is a typical, is a type of biblical angel that appears in the book of Daniel, where reference is made to the holiness of the beings. The books of Enoch, they are referred to both good and bad watchers with a primary focus on the rebellious ones. So when Henry was 10, Henry's father got drunk one night and passed out on the railroad tracks. That's when a freight train came slowly by and amputated both his legs. Henry's dad had to crawl around everywhere and eventually they made him a makeshift wheelchair that was very hard to move him around. And Viola was pissed because now he was a burden to her, more so. After the incident, she would treat Anderson even worse. Viola would now park him in front of the bed by force and lock his tires in place so he couldn't leave and made him and Henry watch her have sex with men. Still. He would try not to watch, but Viola would tell him, and I quote, Look at what a real man can do, end quote. Two years later, when Henry was 12, the only buffer between him and his mother and the only person that treated Henry nice had died. Anderson Lucas was intoxicated when Viola and him got into a fight and he wheeled himself outside during a blizzard and fell in the snow. Viola left him outside and he died of hypothermia. Now Henry was alone. After his father passed, things got worse for Henry. He started acting out in school, looking for attention. He was not the little boy that would get picked on anymore. His classmates were afraid of him now. Hitting his teenage years, Henry started hunting animals just to watch them die. It made himself feel more powerful. But after some time, something happened. He began to feel aroused by the dead animals and began masturbating to his kills, then eventually having sex with the corpses. To be frank, bestiality and necrophilia are both sins in the eyes of the Lord and are also ways that demons can get inside of you. According to Father Carlos Martins from the podcast Exorcist Files, he says that by committing any sin is allowing a demon in. Back at home, Henry had finally had enough of the abuse. He dropped out of school in the sixth grade and ran away from home when he was 14 and he began drifting around the country in an interview Lucas commenting on his childhood stated and I quote I hated all my life I hated everybody when I first grew up I and can remember I was addressed as a girl by my mother and I stayed that way for two or three years and after that 
I was treated like what I call the dog of the family. I was beaten. I was made to do things that no human being would want to do. End quote. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, it's time for the Uber shout out. And I really don't have any Uber shout outs this week. I actually got sick, so I wasn't able to drive. But I did go try to see London out at the Hooters and Shirts. And she wasn't in at the time, but my waitress... Uh, when I got to talking to her how I knew London and I told her about the podcast, uh, she got interested in it and I asked her if I could throw out her name. She said, sure. So Crystal, here's a shout out to you from Hooters. And guys, she actually is a waitress. So if you see her at Hooters in shirts, make sure you tip her well and let her know that you listen to the show. And since I have no more Uber shout outs, I'd like to actually read a comments that somebody put on the demon inside Dennis Bowman and as we remember Dennis Bowman when he was being interrogated decided to talk about the demon that was inside of him and he doesn't remember the killings uh, because he said this demon had taken over so I had put what did you think about this episode ants boxer dog mom 1205 love the name ants boxer dog mom 1205 she wrote, or he wrote, it's a spiritual war out there. Demons are waiting for a door to open to enter in our world to possess. Wear the armor of God. God bless you. Well, thank you for that, and I love that. Wear the armor of God. That's amazing. So now, let's get back to the show. And welcome back. To the demon inside. Henry's life was a struggle. From a very young age, he appeared unable to regulate himself, always allowing his demons to take control. I believe one of these demons was a pathological liar. When he was 15 years old, he was done having sex with dead animals and wanted to try to have sex with a person. According to Henry, he made the moves on the 17-year-old Laura Everline Burnley, who made it clear she was not interested in him. So according to Lucas, he took her from the bus stop and forced her into the woods, where he tried to have sex with her. But she fought back. Henry strangled her to death and had sex with her corpse. Henry says, in his own words, and I quote, I could not have sex with a living person. They had to be dead. End quote. Of course, later in life, he, he retracted this claim. But Laura Everline Burnley was a teenage girl who disappeared from Lynchburg, Virginia in March of 1951 and has never been found. This is important to remember because it's possible if he killed her, he hit the body so well, she was never recovered. This was at the age of 15, which means he could have gotten better at killing and hiding bodies. In 1954, 
at 18 years old, Henry was convicted in Richmond, Virginia for multiple counts of burglary. He was six, sentenced to six years, but Lucas escaped prison in 1957. He was recaptured and served half of his sentence. Henry was released from prison for the first time in September 1959. And later that year, Lucas traveled to, and I'm sorry if I say this wrong, Tacumas, Michigan, to live with his half-sister, Opal Retta Jennings. Around this time, he was engaged to Stella Curtis. When Lucas's mother, she was now 71, came to visit him and his sister for Christmas, she disapproved of her son's fiance. On January 11th, 1960, she and Henry were drinking at a bar. I was drunk and I'd gotten an argument with her in the tavern because she come in there wanting me to go back home. And I said, I'm not going back with you. I don't want nothing to do with you. So she started pitching a real bitch about it, you know, and I got up and left the tavern, went on back to where I was living at. And sometime during the night, I come in there with a broom handle and started beating my brains out. And uh, I hauled off and swung at her. He would never say, I stabbed her in the neck, but that's what he did. She landed between the bed I was at and the old steel bed over on the other side of the room. And uh, that's the last I remember seeing her. In one of the interviews, he says, after he killed his mother, he had sex with her. Then he ran. He told me, I don't like live sex. I like dead sex. That was a common theme, uh, really, for the all of the time that he spent talking about his uh, killings. Uh, he would claim that sex was more appealing to him if the victim, or if the partner, in quotes, was dead. Lucas was picked up in Ohio, and he claimed self-defense, which was denied and was sentenced to 40 years for second-degree murder. While in prison, Henry said he kept hearing his mother's voice in his head telling him to do horrible things. It was so much that he attempted suicide twice. So let me ask, could this be his mother talking from beyond the grave? Or was it a demon who lies, who's a liar, saying that it's his mother? The prison decided they couldn't do much for Henry's psychological well-being and sent him to, and I apologize again, Ionia State Mental Hospital for the criminally insane. Inside, they gave Henry medications and electric shock therapy. This was when electric shock shock therapy was at its infancy it was not regulated like it is today it was experimental in other words they would sometimes have it too high and kill or maim the patient henry would receive several sessions to his already damaged brain after eight years they sent him back to prison because there was no longer anything they could do so after 10 years of his 40-year sentence, Henry was paroled on June 3, 1970, due to overcrowding, and he headed back to Michigan in December of 1971. 
Lucas was back to his ways and was hunting again. One day, he tried to kidnap two teenage girls, but they got away, and Henry was caught and charged with attempted kidnapping and went back to prison. He was then released from prison and on parole again in August of 1975. He moved to Port Deposit, Maryland, where he married a woman with whom he had corresponded with while incarcerated named Betty Crawford. And he moved in with her and her two daughters. The night of their wedding, uh, where we stayed at, um, there was a pull-out bed. Constance Damron was seven when her mother Betty brought Henry home. They were in the bed, and us girls were on the floor in a sleeping bag. And I had been woken up in the middle of the night where he had unzipped his sleeping bag, and he was touching me where he shouldn't have been. This was going to be the start of two years of hell for these two little girls. He threatened to kill our mother if we told anybody. He was serious. I mean, there was no joking about him. But after two years, the little girls were done with his abuse. Eventually, Constance got the courage to stand up to Henry. And the next day, Henry said he had a job at a mushroom farm in Pennsylvania. He gave my mom a phone number, which turned out to be false, and he never came back. The next person he dated was Rhonda Knuckles. Let her tell you in her own words. He um, avoided me. He didn't like to be touched, and he would say things to me to scare me. He told me that he was going to cut my heart out. He was going to eat part of it. Rhonda told Henry she was leaving him, and she made a move for the door. Henry grabbed a butcher's knife and forced her back inside. He had the trash bag that he said he was going to cut me up and put me in, and he put the trash bag over my head. He was trying to suffocate me with the trash bag, but he didn't. Instead, Henry began to systematically torture Rhonda over the span of three days. At one point, he made me take off all my clothes, and he tied me up. And I thought he was going to rape me, but he didn't. He urinated on me. On the third day, Rhonda's neighbor came to the house and knocked on the door, catching Henry off guard, and Rhonda was able to escape. She went all the way to her family's house where she told them what Henry had done and that she had left the baby behind. So they armed themselves with a shotgun and went back to confront Henry. Henry told them that I had lost my mind that I was trying to kill him and all this stuff and that he had been taking care of the baby for three days and they believed him. Could a demon have been talking through Henry Lee Lucas and spreading lies to help him get away with things that most people wouldn't get away with? Could this have been the same demon that was saying he was his mother when he was in prison? If it is, the demon that I think it is is the demon Zezbeth. So in demonology, Zezbeth, or alternately named Shezbeth, is a demon of lies and legends. <laughs> 
who invents untrue tales. Its name in Arabic is the liar. Could this be the demon that was inside of him? Could this be possibly one of the many demons that's inside of Henry Lee Lucas? Next week on the continuation of Henry Lee Lucas, I'm going to be talking about Otis Toole. Otis Toole and Henry were best friends and lovers. And Otis Toole was another serial killer. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Demon Inside podcast on any podcast platform. A new episode of the Demon Inside will be released every week. Let us know what you think of the episode on all our social media platforms. If you have any questions or comments, go to the Demon Inside podcast at gmail.com or click on the link down below. We would love to hear from you. And to become a Demon Insider, go to our website, thedemoninsidepodcast.com. We thank you for listening and hope you will join us next week for a new Demon Inside podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. I am John Venom, and I'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was written and created by James Porter. It is a production of Venomous Entertainment. Background music is by Lucas King. And the title song, Demon Inside, was produced by Rice Pulver, composer lyricist Peter Shelley, and performed by Conjure One.